das deutsche Volk ist in so viele Grenzstaaten zerfallen, als es einzelne Menschen gibt. Und die einzelnen Staatsgebilde sind beweglich. Jeder trägt das Seine mit sich herum und verlangt eine Übertrittsgebühr, wenn ein anderes betreten will. So far in our movie night extravaganza canon, we have done two Wim Wenders films. Paris, Texas, and on Conan's birthday, the five and a half hour ultimate road movie until the end of the world. We did Paris, Texas in 2021 in order to honor Dean Stockwell after he passed away. Paris, Texas is a pretty conventional road movie which has Dean Stockwell and Harry Dean Stanton playing brothers who set out across the Southwest. Harry Dean Stanton, playing Travis, is discovered wandering around West Texas in a fugue state and is mute. He loses consciousness and a doctor calls his brother Walt, who he hasn't spoken to in years, and who has adopted his son, and they set out to reunite the son with his mother. After Paris, Texas was done, Bim Vendors returned to West Germany after eight years in the United States, expecting to make until the end of the world. However, he realized that the movie pre-production, which ended up filming in 35 locations in countries spanning from the U.S. to Portugal, France, Russia, Japan, Australia, and Italy, would not be ready for a couple more years. Even though he had been working on it until the end of the world since 1977, Wim Wenders decided instead to make Wings of Desire. That's the movie we're going to be talking about tonight. Wings of Desire, more than anything else, is a love letter to Berlin. Wenders loved the poetry of Reina Maria Rilke a German poet, whose poetry often contained images and encounters with angels. And wandering through Berlin and sort of still religiously almost reading Volker every evening, at least one poem, these poems are all populated, so to speak, by angels, lots of them. After throwing out a bunch of ideas, Vendors decided suddenly that having guardian angels posted throughout the city of Berlin watching everyone could allow the film to see as many perspectives as possible. These angels could listen to people's thoughts, their innermost desires, wishes, and prayers. And those were the characters I'd be looking for because they could really be everywhere and appear everywhere. And they could cross through walls, could of course also cross through the wall. They could be omnipresent and they would allow me to have this complete overview of the city. However, Peter Hanke, Vendor's friend and collaborator wasn't sure he could write the story. Perhaps it's a good idea, but if I would be an angel, I would like to bec become a human being, to see blood, to to touch, to 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 to, to become mortal. After I told him the entire thing, everything I knew, it there wasn't all that much. No, these angels. I figured we'd better have two than just one, or even more. And I had a list of people, character that I wanted these angels to sort of visit and connect. He came up with a compromise. Hanky wrote out some prompts and monologues as ideas, but most of the movie would be improvised. Rather than dialogue between characters, most of the speaking in the film is done as monologuing recorded over the scenes. Erzähle Muse vom Erzähler, dem an den Weltrand verschlagenen kindlichen Uralten und machen ihm kenntlich den Jedermann. However, the two angels, played by Bruno Gans and Otto Sander, who have been together since the beginning of time watching over the world, do speak to each other quite frequently. 
beim Gehen das Knochengerüst und sich mitgehen spüren. Endlich ahnen, statt immer alles zu wissen. Ach und O oh und A und W sagen können. Gans plays Damiel, who is sick of just observing and wants to tangibly experience the world. Damiel falls in love with a trapeze artist named Miriam, played by Solveig de Martin. He is allowed to stop being an angel, but will lose his immortality and ability to fly over the earth. Bruno and Otto brought in an older Jewish actor named Kurt Bois they had made a documentary about. Bois had left Germany during World War II and was in Casablanca. And his name was Kurt Bois. And he played in one film, uh, in Casablanca, and a lot of films he did small parts. Peter Falk is also in the film, playing himself, coming to Germany to play a detective searching for a German family during World War II. Hey, what is that, Colombo? No, I However, he's also a former angel who convinces Damiel to try out human experience. The movie production was extremely freewheeling, with the cast, Hanky, and vendors collaborating constantly on the fly. This genre of filmmaking is called City Symphony. The original City Symphonies were often documentaries which attempted to capture a location and a moment in time. They were largely made in the 1920s, right before the first film was sound. The original City Symphonies were named for the orchestral music that would be played over them. They have inspired filmmakers like Godard and Woody Allen. However, neither Wings of Desire, nor films like Manhattan, or Two or Three Things I Know About Her, can truly be considered City Symphonies. City Symphonies lacked narrative, plot, or characters outside of the city. One last interesting choice is that the movie is filmed in both color and black and white. The black and white, which invokes the original City Symphonies, is what the angels see from their perspective. Vim Vendors believes black and white photography is the best way to express the essence of a subject. It seemed to me that these metaphoric and poetic characters of angels, they could never exist in, in color. It's, I don't know, I never really thought much about it. It was sort of obvious. I took it as a given from the beginning. The human perspective, mostly embodied by Miriam and then Damiel, as he becomes human, is color. Color shows the fullness of human experience. Vim Vendors filmed Wings of Desire just a few years before the Berlin Wall fell. He couldn't know it at the time, but it makes this city symphony a perfect time capsule into an era of Berlin history. Is that red? Yes. I'm sorry. Today it's good. Good. And the Rohre? Rohre are gold. Gold. And who's that? That's grau-blau. Grau-blau. Yeah? Lila. Yeah? Anyway, before I introduce the panel, let me say, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live show, send us a super chat. We are absolutely obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer it. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are available on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, host of Britonic Reversal, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. 
Right now, Conan is working on Catterwall 2023. Catterwall Music Festival is going to be in Minneapolis from May 26th to 29th. Tickets are on sale now at catterwall.org. Christina Oaks, when she's not dog-sitting, you can find her streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash cosmopolitics. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at at cosmopolitics. Throw her some subs on Twitch. Jandrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, comic designer, and artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Joe Cannon, plays in a live band with Tony Neutron and the Secret Friends, and is the vocalist and guitarist for Resurrectionists, which have a new album, Now That We Are All Ghosts, on Bandcamp. On Sunday, April 23rd, is the first inaugural Resurrectionist Film Fest, which is showing music videos by six filmmakers, including our own Conan Neutron. I, of course, am here no longer suffering after getting the tooth-pulled host, Forrest Miller, Movie Night Extravaganza's intro master, and poor man's wealthy dilettante. Let's let her rip. Appreciate the update. <laughs> Yo, I love I love that the first guy he encounters when he uh, transforms from from an age. Of course, hello everybody. But I, w- I wanted to get this thought out there while it's in my head. Um, yeah, 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 the the yeah, first guy sure. he encounters after becoming a human is just your classic NPC. Like he yeah. has the blood on his hand, and he's like, "Is that red?" And he's like, "He's like, oh, did you hurt yourself?" And he's like, "And and what color is that?" Like it's classic. Like uh, you know, you respawn in a video game. And uh, like the first guy you meet or something that's just like a townsperson. Yeah. Like that's the that's the exact energy that you get. Boy, I that. sure would like some coffee or whatever he says. And he's like, do you have any money for coffee? And he's like, no, not really. <laughs> and he's like, all right, here you go. <laughs> Joe, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Well, it's been a great one, everyone. All right, call tonight. <laughs> no, I see you some coffee right now. Yeah, apparently, yeah. Do you have any money for coffee? Yeah. <laughs> uh, who? So, Joe, I know you've seen this before because you have a song named after it. Uh, I, yes. It's named after a line from it. Right. Um, Don't want to tell them about a girl. Which is what Nick Cave, because uh, the angels, of course can hear people's thoughts right right that's what that's what stops it from being just like the all-time vibe movie with like no dialogue as you hear like you know in, in this great style of the de Laurentiis lynch dune people's thoughts uh, and the angels are hearing them and it's what nick cave thinks right before he contradicts himself to the audience he, right uh, right and says right, it's about right. a girl right um so i know you've seen it and also because you picked it i did i know i've seen it because it's it's uh it's in my top 50 favorite movies i wouldn't say it's necessarily my top 20 i'd have to re- re-examine uh and i and i truly love it i'm curious um dramatic nostril angelic colombo expreca deutsch uh have y'all seen wings of desire before i haven't it was it's been on my uh uh criterion challenge uh this month so uh there two weeks know. in a row i got to knock off movies check I actually saw the, the American remake, City of Angels, with Nicolas Cage and Meg with Ryan. That, that, yeah, Nick Cage! Me. Nick Cage is in that! That's right! Yep, which inspired me to watch the actual German film, because I was like, it's got to yeah. be better than this, because I was telling my mom what movie we were doing. She was like, I never heard of, you know, Wings of Desire. I'm like, you know, yeah. City of Angels? She's like, Nicolas Cage? I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh, what about it? I'm like, it's it's basically the, the original version of that film, but in German. I, I know that I saw it at one point, but I think I was so angry I ended up turning it off before finishing it because I just was like, first of <laughs> yeah. all, how do you remake Wings of Desire? Secondly, how do you screw it up that bad? But anyway, yeah, I just, 
couldn't go through with it. But Wings of Desire is much, much better. I watched uh, the three, uh, the last three minutes of it on YouTube of uh, City of Angels, and and I had to turn it off because it was just it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the just the the poster for it looks horrible. Like yeah. I I haven't seen it, but like just looking at the poster, I'm like, oh, that's like classic like '90s movie. Like early two thousands ninety movie nineties movie, they're just trying to get shit out to get it out. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Nick Cage, Meg Ryan, great. It's a go. You know, like yeah. that that kind of. Well, then the angels, Balls, which isn't all bad. I like how and they. The- uh, I like how in that that little documentary, um, about it, they had the director of City of Angels on, and first of all, he sounded like an idiot, and second <laughs> of all, they had him on for like a total of maybe twenty words. They were like. Yeah. I get, you know, his, his, his publicist was on the, on the horn. He's got to be in it. <laughs> All right. We'll put him in it. <laughs> uh, I think this is some, one, one of you said it. Uh, I can't remember who um, it is kind of one of the all time vibe movies, right? I mean, it is, it I just, is. A I, just said it 20, I just said it 20 minutes ago, <laughs> man. You wouldn't believe the stuff I've done in the last 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm a busy man. <laughs> You made you made a whole uh, a whole new movie with uh, you know Nick Cage. Apparently, yeah, yeah. Who knew? He's, he's surprisingly available. I just messaged him on Instagram. No, that's not true. Uh, yeah, and and I think I said when we did until the end of the world that that's my favorite. I think that's Vin Vendor's best work of art, but I think this is his best film. And uh, I, I I make that distinction. Uh, <laughs> I make that distinction very. Uh, God, I shouldn't look at the comments. How how long have I done this? I'm like, I just don't look at the comments. Um, because I think that it's important to distinction. Because I think this is a fantastic film. And honestly, when I first saw it, I thought that the to be continued at the end, I was like, oh, how like metaphorical, how cool. And I was like, oh no, he actually made a sequel. Yep. And I was and then I was like, I cannot think of any movie that less needs a sequel than Wings of Desire. <laughs> well, by all accounts, it's fine. You know, he made a sequel because Bruno Gans uh, wanted to keep being an angel, apparently. And yeah, he, he like had he was just like enjoyed it. Like, I guess the two of them enjoyed it so much walking around. Yeah, they angels. found the process. Well, and I guess yeah. and, and, and so my understanding, I can't remember if this is a documentary or not, but they uh, since there wasn't a script, they sort of were, you know, just workshopping ideas back and forth. This and that. And basically the um, I'm sorry, the other act, the, the guy that's not Bruno Gans, the other fella, like had a whole other storyline that he came yeah. up with that like. The Vin Vendors loved and like they're like oh yeah we, there's this movie's already too long I can't fit that in. It seemed to me like it seemed to me like that whole sequence after the character kills himself and mm-hmm. he's sort of he's like anguished by it because there's this whole thing where yeah there's this whole yeah. thing where, where Bruno's Bruno's angel seems pretty free about like comforting or consoling people and Casile is always like. You know, I'm just watching. I'm just viewing. I'm just reporting. I'm just testifying. And then there's I'm just here to call balls and strikes. Right. And then (laughs) then there's that one instance where it seems like he tries and the guy kills himself anyway. Yeah. He kind of loses it. And then well, all you really see at that point is he's just like, oh, like he's like like legit surprised when it happens, and then then it's like on to something else. Well, but he jumps off. He jumps off the building too. Yeah. You see him go down. He goes sort of suiciding, which becomes this. But which then becomes this kind of like fugue scene for about two or three right. minutes. Right, right, right. And and, and, and my, my sense of it was that that was that was going to be the hook into him becoming human. Like that was going to be. And apparently, and yeah. I have not seen Far Away so close. 
but uh, apparently it centers around him becoming human and like doing crime. Yes. He's doing a lot of crime. Which if I was an angel and I became a human, probably would be the road, like the road I would oh, yeah, see some crime. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm going to go crime. see, uh, you know, like, like a rock concert see and then, you know, crime. fall in love. Yeah. It would probably be like, Hey, I've seen enough people rob things by now that I have a, a foolproof plan. <laughs> and how was how it was described as like he's like driving around in fast cars because he's used to be able to get get to places quickly and like surrounded by like beautiful women. And it was like, bro, this is, sounds like stuff you want to do. <laughs> like, like it doesn't sound like your character would be that Dang interested. Boys. But okay. <laughs> well, the the whole the whole conceit of him uh, turning into a human uh, comes from Peter Hankey. Just yeah. being like, well, if I was, and I had that, I think, in the intro. He's like, if I, I would want to become a human if I was an angel, which I don't know how you know that, but like, uh, it does, it does. <laughs> well, you see, I was once an angel myself. <laughs> yeah, maybe you just talk to talk to Peter Falk about it. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, I have. So I have. Uh, these are these are a couple minutes of deleted scenes that I grabbed. Oh, cool. Uh, so these, which are, is this which is, this movie's already pretty long and. I haven't seen any of these deleted scenes, but I feel like it makes sense that there would be extra stuff, right? So. Yeah. Well, they just literally just walked around Berlin and tried to shoot things and uh, couldn't use anything. They had a lot of footage they couldn't use because people would look at the camera. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh, they looked at the camera. Now I can't use this, which is kind of. Right. <laughs> what, what exactly did you think was going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> they did have a nice workaround with some of it, though. Like, like uh, sometimes people would look at the camera and then they'd cut to like the angel. And I thought that was a, a clever workaround of people looking at the camera. Yeah, but I, I think that the stuff that they cut for looking at the camera is like people are so obviously looking at the camera that it wasn't going to work out. This is from the very beginning when the camera is just meandering through the city and ending especially on close-ups of children. Most of them are looking up into the sky, and this is one shot we didn't use with the back of an old VW. That's a great shot. This was a shot outside of the BMW showroom where the two angels meet. The two rock and roll musicians there, they were both in Crime and City Solution, whom you see It's Roland S. Howard and uh, the other guy. Playing on stage. This is when I decided to clip this part of it for this. I don't like the whole we had some fun things. With the I like him just fucking around in front of, of the, the angels in the very Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Arthur loved That's great. mimicking people. This was preceding the actual scene that is now in the cut. Obviously, angels can I love get that there's this classic, like, Harpo Marx picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it, they do not expose. Old school physical comedy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
interesting that in the in the film, Casillo is oh, always you can clearly see, see that Otto is real clown. Yeah. Should have kept this in, I think. Now. <laughs> this is great. This is total, <laughs> yeah. This is total Harpo territory. We had lots of extras for this scene. <laughs> On the corner of Kurfürstendamm and Bleibtreustrasse, you see one of my favorite movie theaters in Berlin in the background, the Cinema Paris. He runs across with his hand out trying to get his taxi to wants to feel it, man. We're very concerned with the invisibility of the angels in the beginning, and this is a shot we tried double exposure to let Cassiel enter the showroom. This was a double exposure. This was a different way to deal with it. This was not double exposed. He's just trying to sneak in together with them. <laughs> I like how one of them is, oh, you can go through walls. And Finally, the other one, didn't the other use one any is just it. like, uh, you know, it's like a little kid that has to be let in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let me in. I found in the editing room later on that I was too preoccupied or had been too preoccupied in the very beginning with all these problems of visibility or invisibility. And in the end, we didn't need any of it. Yeah, nobody cares. Sorry, Vim. <laughs> I regret this scene, though. The old Kurt Bois. Homer, as he's called in the film. Just studying the globe. With his ever-present guardian angel, Cassiel, at his side. It was a lot of fun to shoot with Kurt. He was always ready to crack a joke. And there was no scene where he didn't yeah, somehow sneak in a little funny moment. Yeah, I think you're onto something, Joe. Like, like he doesn't really get a chance to do as much of like the kind of funny stuff. Right. So it's a shame that like, hey, it's, this is that's classic. Marx Brothers stuff for sure. I love I love that Kurt Bois. That's just like the old man. Um, I love that at one point on the set, like those lead scenes, he just starts doing trust falls, and yeah. he just expects uh, Otto Sander to catch him. Which, like, looking at him, he's so fucking old that you know, I'd be like, I'd be terrified that I was not going to get caught. There's fall back. So, so <laughs> a couple things with with Kurt Bois. Uh, he was a child actor, and when I say child actor, I mean like. He was born in 1907. So like he was a child actor during silent film era. And then also he's um he was uh in Casablanca with he's the one that gives like the, the pickpocket speech, which is like you know very memorable if you've known Casablanca. And he's a renowned actor, fled Germany uh in World World War II, made some American films, then came back afterwards. And yeah, there's there's a there's a great um, featurette on the Criterion Edition that it's it's like Vim, Vim Vendor's uh, collection of like his early films, and it's just he's trying to like tell the thing, and Kurt Bois keeps interrupting him and trying to talk him into doing a comedy. It's like, have you ever done a comedy? Why don't you do a comedy? And then he's like, well, it's very serious, you know, so and so. And then he's like, 
and he's like, "Why do you want to be in it?" No, I'll be dead soon. <laughs> which is which is funny. Like, holy crap, dude! But he actually did get to see the fall of the Berlin Wall. Which, to be clear, this movie is before the fall of the Berlin Wall. So mm-hmm. think of all the life that that dude got to see. First of all, he's in one of the greatest movies of all time. The last film he's in was this one, right? That in and of itself is amazing. Got to see the rise of the Nazi party, fled Germany, came back, like had like a whole rest of a career, and then like lived in like East and West Germany and got to see the wall fall. Holy Jesus, jumping Christ. My great-grandfather was Russian. And he he basically climbed over the Berlin like he ha- like he got stabbed one time and just yeah. walked home like it was no big deal or whatever. <laughs> He's like, I climbed the Berlin Wall. I can handle a little stabbing. Like he was badass. It's, it's a shame a, I never got the light do him. stabbing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, they say I, just, this, I just think that's incredible because um, I did because I've seen this movie like four or five times and I did I somehow never made the connection that he was that same dude. So much and then life. like. I was like, holy crap, like, no wonder, like, Vin Vendor's like, you have to be in this. And he's like, all right, sure. And, what am I doing to? The, the, the part he plays is, represent, like, representative, right? Like, it's it's literally, he is the embodiment of Berlin over this yeah. entire uh, century. So for him to be, like, you know, this master kind of um, almost mev- metaphysical storyteller that, you know, comes across and is walking around um, bemoaning the fact that his audience is now gone and uh, this new generation, you know, doesn't listen to his poetry the way they used to or whatever. Yeah, like, right, for, yeah. for him <laughs> for him to kind of be that character, um, it, it, he's he looks storied and he is storied. And for that, you know, for that role, I think he's perfect. He's got he's got stories all across his face. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I think it's really incredible that the Berlin Wall came down two years later. And, you know, in the actual documentary where he's talking about making it, uh, Vendors is like, oh, well, we never really thought that the wall was going to come down. Like, yeah, we, we just kind of thought that this was an ever present thing. But it marks this movie um, so perfectly in, in a period of time that, you know, the wall isn't just there. It's kind of crumbling. It's graffitied. Like, you know, the whole wall is just spray painted with uh, shit by that point. Like, it's not it's not the wall at its terrifying 19... Uh, you know, like 60s peak or whatever, where yeah. it's like the wall was constructed it's, and it's like this. Just before David Hasselhoff showed up with his light bulb coat to, to tear it down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then my understanding uh, is that they had to construct a, a set piece Berlin wall and like the contractor like st- stiffed them on like using like the correct materials the first time and, and like it warped in the rain and they had to rebuild it, which is hilarious. <laughs> Thank you. What is that? Uh, is that how, how they did the the scenes where they're like, because like the scenes where the angels are talking to one another, and the scene where uh, uh, where Daniel dies is yeah. like, you know, it's like checkpoint Charlie ish. It's like that sort of in between no man's land area. Yeah, I don't know the exact scenes, but uh, I can I can probably find out. But I, I was actually I just was reading up on banal minutia last night because you know the show isn't talkative enough. Uh, yeah, filming. Oh, here's what it is. The filming of the actual Berlin Wall was prohibited, so a replica of the wall twice had to be built close to the original. The first fake wall warped in the rain because a contractor cheated the producers and built it from wood. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. <laughs> they also um, constructed an entire. <laughs> yeah, put that in your resume. Fake Berlin Wall builder. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they they con- also constructed the entire circus. Uh, they actually like built the circus yeah. up from scratch, and then they have uh, film of them taking down the entire circus, like 
but because everyone was kind of looking at the camera, <laughs> they ended up not using any of the footage where they disassembled an entire circus. Yeah, because you see them kind of like pulling up stakes and moving on to the next town, but you never see right. the actual disassembly. I just uh, realized including something. Our... What's that, Christina? What? There are people out there that I cleaned for, and a lot of people, you can actually own a piece of the Berlin Wall. Mm-hmm. What if that's not the real Berlin Wall that all these people own a piece of? What is the one, the fake ones? <laughs> the shitty one that like, the contractor built? <laughs> yeah. Rim, Rim, How would you know the difference? Like, yeah. Rim Vendors is like, uh, he's like, I've, I needed to get my movie funded for until the end of the world. So I just started <laughs> selling fake pieces of the wall to all these Americans. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, would you be more more or less excited to have a piece of the Berlin Wall or a piece of the set of Wings of Desire? Of Wings of Desire, I personally be more excited about the latter. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, this is so. Speaking of until the end of the world, which we really weren't, but we were talking about it earlier. Um, I this is a uh, Solvig's uh, first movie. That's how you say her name, right? The the prominent actress. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's her first movie. And she's pretty freaking awesome in it. I mean, great, especially it's the vibe movie. But what I didn't remember is that Chick Ortega's in it too. <laughs> he's a, he's one of the dudes that's in the circus. It's like, oh, I was totally doing like the Leo thing. I was pointing. Hey, so you know you know how much this movie? Uh, this yeah yeah he's in it too. Uh, but yeah. you know how much this movie costs? Uh, in, like compared to City of Angels, I do this not. movie costs two point five million euros, which you know. Mm-hmm. That cost uh, $55 million to make. <laughs> what a waste of money. $55 million. And how, yeah, and how, how much, much, how much did, did, uh, did, did, uh, is that 22 and a half times as good? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Well, for the producers of that picture, I'm sure they felt, they felt that was the case until they saw it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, this, this movie, I mean, you know, it's, I don't think it's a project that, I mean, compared to something like Until the End of the World, like it's not a project that required uh, as much like money yeah. and time invested into it. Like, I, I find it kind of fascinating more than anything else in this that it's improvised to the point where, like, you know, most of the characters are just people that they filmed and they would add the voices to it. And, like, you know, they come yeah. up with like a, something for their thoughts to have. Or, I mean, I'm sure some of the characters, you know, some of the people they had pitched ideas about what they'd want to be saying on the bus or whatever. <laughs> right. Well, and, and um, if I'm remembering correctly, the filming of it, you know, like as, as, as vendors, as they're filming it, vendors is kind of like hollering at them. What the, what the person would be thinking or something like it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like some rough, like that's the direction that, you know, Oh, you're worried about this today. Oh, okay. Right, cool. Right. You know, your word, you did not satisfy your wife last night. Can I can I get to <laughs> Well, but some of that ends up being ends up working really well because you got someone like uh like you know like Solveig, like the whole like the, the all her scenes with Bruno Gantz where like he can see her, she can't see him, but like you know, feels him, you no, know, not a creepy way, that he's there and well, like in a bit of a creepy way. That's something I mean, I don't know. It's not it's not acknowledged anywhere, but there were some moments in this movie where I'm just like, these angels are kind of voyeurs. Yeah, there's like exactly. You know, I mean, and there's there's this whole thing with this movie where there's a couple of things that go on with it. One, like man woman is treated as like the eternal archetype, and I'm like, wow, that's quaint. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's that's a good. I didn't even think about that. I mean, and then also there's this like you know, it's clearly one of those films that it's clearly a film that was filmed prior to our uh, more uh, our higher sensitivity about consent. 
where it's like, you know, this, this angel is, you know, like in bed with this woman and she doesn't know he's there. And I mean, he's a spiritual being sure, but you know, he's like kind of touching her shoulder and she doesn't know he's doing How many, how many old religious, I'm just kind of like, Hmm. How many like old religious paintings or something, right? Though, or like old murals, or like I mean, because I I haven't thought about this until saying this now, but like or um, you know, a lot of the depictions of angels, they're just kind of uh sitting, you know, next to the person, touching them in bed with that, like you know what I mean? Like they're they're always like um, uh, I, I don't even know exactly what the word is, like uh, ministering, I guess, to them, and right. they're always they're always in a physical position where they're touching them, and I, I wonder, um, I mean, I think that that has something to do with it too, and it's not just about consent it's about um you know the the spiritual being spiritually touched and i think a lot of the uh words about like spirituality and angels and uh god you know god being inside of you and stuff like that like you know like uh spirituality like flowing through you like a lot of it is very tactile right well i mean and then and then the like uh, some of the old christian mysticism you know it it verges on sexual ecstasy in the ways that they describe you know like St. Teresa of Avila and that kind of thing. Um, but I think the, the, the transformation occurs when, you know, Damiel now has a romantic interest in Marion and he's still there. And now he's like seeing her undress and he's like, you know, stroking yeah. her shoulder and she's sort of aware of his presence, but sort of isn't, um, you know, this is this kind of, you know, it, it gets, it gets sort of ambiguous. I mean, then it also there's that scene which I think is kind of brilliant. And there's this, there's this great way where the language of that first conversation between uh, Cassille and Damiel, and then the conversation between, well, more of a monologue while he's standing there watching her um, at, the, at the bar when Marion speaks, there's all sorts of parallels there. I mean, the biggest one is the word ernst or seriousness, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Cassille is like the way to be serious is to only observe, only document, only testify. And then she's using the same word at the end of the, at the end of the film and saying, you know, now it has become serious. And for her seriousness at that point means now this is intentional. Now I'm deciding now, none of this is coincidence anymore. It's not, you know, I lived this whole life of not, of maybe neither this nor that. And now I'm deciding. And that's the one at the bar at the uh, after the Nick, the Cave, the Nick Cave show, yeah, yeah, at the very end, yeah, like yeah. The, the sort of penultimate scene. And the, the really interesting thing there is when she's saying that he goes in to make that same sort of like angel move, where yeah. he's like listening yeah. at her, you know, he's putting his ear next to her mouth, yeah. and the way he had been doing as an angel throughout, um, you know, and so that's there's there's that parallel. I mean, that's sort of, you know, for a movie that's unstructured. That's a really there's, well there's a lot of depth to it. Yeah, I also I also felt like they were kind of a representation of East and West Berlin. Well, hold uh, on, hold on, for hold on, uh, uh, Fräulein yeah. Christina, was denken Sie? Mm-hmm. What do you think about about that? As as a woman that is allowed to talk once in a while on this show, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, what about what Joe said about you know, like the sort of like consenty kind of angel on human voyeurism. Yeah, I, I I was when I was watching it, I was like, oh, I mean, it would be nice to have a guardian angel, but I want them to like be aware that they cannot touch me or like be in bed with me. I mean, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll be honest, like it's, not, it's it's fucking creepy, but 
Yeah, one would think it wouldn't have to be explained to them as well, but you know, yeah, hey, but whatever. They, they, they've been around for for how how for how many centuries or whatever, like since they, the beginning they, of time. Yes, yeah. they should know a thing or two about times changing and consent, since they observe people. <laughs> do they not? One would hope, yeah. <laughs> but then you can I mean, say the I, same thing about most modern men. I yeah, <laughs> I I feel my father's presence every once in a while, and there are times where I'll be washing my clothes. And mm. I go in that the clothes are done and, and the washing machine's already open. And I'm like, I did not open up that. Ooh. See, dad's yeah. helping with the wash. There you go. That's yeah. handy. That's that's useful. That's not <laughs> yeah. like creeping on anybody. That's just I, I couldn't dad. see I couldn't see uh Damio helping anyone with the wash. You know, yeah, I was gonna say, no, is no, your no. dad doing anything right now? I got a load of laundry in the washer right now. I could get <laughs> someone to put it in the dryer while we're doing this. It's a small oh, load. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but like, I, again, I, you feel that presence, though. But it's just right. so weird that he's like, yeah. So what? Is, so so from the overall question of again, an angel, a creature that like has existed before humans themselves even were around. Yeah, like yeah. what? What do you? What do you? What do you think? I mean, I think it's, it's a beautiful movie, but I'm interested in your thoughts in it. It it it's the one thing that I'm like, oh, about the film. I'm like, yeah. ah, dude, like. Come on, man! Like if if it if God if, it, if the roles were reversed, it was a woman. They would be like, "Oh hell yeah!" And I'm like, "No, it's so creepy <laughs> if it was a woman doing that to a man." Like, come the fuck! Like, yeah, she wouldn't like, do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's like, yeah, like, boy, oh. when a guy when a girl does it to a guy, but like reverse, it's like it's creepy as fuck. And I'm like, double standards. We but it has it. that European romanticism attached to it, where the, yeah, you know, that's that's the only downside. Yeah, it's like, it's so romantic. <laughs> If he tried that on Star Trek, they would like phaser his ass. <laughs> Actually, wasn't there one that one episode of Star Trek where? Uh, um, yeah, yeah, Doctor Crusher, Doctor Crusher, and like a space ghost, not space ghost, ghost to coast, uh, like no, got it on. Like a space ghost was like banging her, where, where she was having like orgasms with the candle. Yeah, yeah, boy, yeah. Not 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 every episode was a winner for that show. What were you gonna say, Joe? <laughs> Oh, I, I just like for for me, it's a sort of a, like it was the one way in which the film dated itself, where it was like this it's got is that a, mid eighties sort of feel this in is that a way. Thing yeah, that was and and the, and the, interestingly, the way that it was treated is just obvious by everybody. And imagine if John Hughes directed it, though. <laughs> John Hughes's <laughs> Wings of Desire. Oh boy. <laughs> well, but in a certain way, I mean, in a certain way, it's a similar sort of. There is a similar sort of like, you know, I mean, and this is the kind of like there was a line in it where it was, I mean, I wrote it down. It was like, you know, it's the eternal story, man and woman. There's there's this kind of yeah. like, you know, this is the this is the, you know, the, 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 the pretension to high art and the assumption of certain things are eternal and unchanging. And one of those eternal and unchanging things is is the, you know, is the the story of man and woman. And okay, <laughs> how very eighties European. What of you. seemed yeah. to be eternal in the eighties <laughs> has been, you know, now put under serious question for sure. quite some time. Yeah, that whole that whole scene though between them uh, when he's finally human and he, you know, it, they're talking at the bar. Um, it, it just it felt like it was they were like physical manifestations of East and West Germany to me. And you know, East and West okay. Berlin, and they they had the moment where they touched hands like this, and they kind of put a wall between them, almost. Uh, 
that's a good and, point. I didn't actually think about symbolic. that. And yeah, when, yeah. when he's like, when he's like, you, you know, uh, when she's like, you, I belong in you, or you belong in me, and we're one, and we're finally together. I was, I was wondering if that was kind of like a, a literal representation of the city of Berlin, and the fact that you know there, there's these two halves of the city that are um, that need to actually be joined back together. And hmm. uh, not necessarily saying that, you know, he's saying, hey, let's knock the wall down right now. But like, it feels like since this is a cityscape and it is, uh, you know, he is trying to put his <laughs> but he is he is trying to put his thoughts about Berlin. I mean, that's kind of uh, exactly what he's doing. The angels, I think, are you know, a big part of it is the fact that there's angel statues all over Berlin. They're, right. you know, on a lot of buildings, they're kind of looking down on everybody from uh, you know, condescending and condescending liberal angels looking down on everybody and <laughs> <laughs> judging, but, uh, judging them. But no, like all over the city, and he's like reading a lot of poetry about Berlin that uh, you know is literally talking about angels that you know right. walk through the city and stuff. And I, I felt like that in that scene, it was kind of a representation of the actual city of Berlin. And when she's like, uh, you know, this is our time. We're now, you know, we're now together. We have to go for it. I felt like maybe that was uh, about making that city whole again. Because you know, the, there's the whole scene where the uh, where Cassiel is in the taxi and he's talking about how every German now is their own state, and right. uh, you know everyone pays a toll to talk to everyone else and this transactionality of it. And I was and I felt like the two halves joining together is kind of dispelling that. Hmm. Okay, and, and the, there's definitely this sort of you know you've got the boundary between heaven and earth, the angels on one side, humans on the other. You've I mean, and then. You're dealing with, and I mean, and it's being filmed in a city that's defined by a boundary. Yeah, you know, and then, and then, I mean, and that scene in the in the taxi cab is really interesting, where he's like, you know, and now I'm and I'm not now I'm just talking about borders. You know, if you want to actually get into yeah. the interior, you need other passwords. Um, and like, and like, and then he's like, fortunately, nobody knows those passwords, and I'm just like, oh, they do now. Yeah, yeah, now they, yeah exactly. You say you say that with 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 great confidence, but yeah, uh, that's it. Yeah, that that that's all super interesting. I mean, I feel like you can't get around East and West Germany at this time, right? You can't you can't get around like that that dividing line. So everything's going to kind of be informed by that in some way, shape, or right. form. And I think that's even the case. Uh, well, it's the case for his earlier German movies, like not so much for when he was making films in America. Like, I don't think, you know, there's nothing in Paris, Texas, like specifically with that or anything. But I don't know that scene with the one way glass. Wow. Oh, you mean the best scene in the history of cinema? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's a good point. All right. Comment redacted. <laughs> this is this is this is what I was talking about with the hands clasped that way in the, in yeah, the shape of yeah. in, in, like in, in a wall. And she's in red uh, as in like, Ooh. you know which okay. is the color of like East Germany communism. You know what I mean? And he's kind of in this uh, darker brown kind of uh, old style, I guess, corny jacket. And I, <laughs> I felt like, I felt like it was, it's kind of a, a physical representation of the actual city itself. I, you right. might be right. Although I do have to say, I love how the, the when he becomes an ex angel, suddenly no style. Yeah. No, he like, like exactly. Like so first of all, okay. I can no say I can say this. He has, he has zero risk. Zero <laughs> yeah, like it, it's really it's hilarious to me that um first of all that this view keeps moving back to the view I hate, but like whatever. Uh it's hilarious to me that like that whole scene of like you know, he sells his armor too, right? right. He sells his armor and then like Peter Falk, which by the way, we've not really gotten into at all. 
Because Peter Falk is in this movie as himself, as a spoiler alert for a movie from 1987, an ex-angel himself, which is incredible. Yeah. But he's, but like, you know, what's he like, ah, oh, you got took, kid. And then like, it like basically yeah. re- tells a story of like how he got took as well. Like, right, you know, right, he, right. which is so amazing because you got to think about, and again, that NPC scenario you mentioned for us, where he like gets the basically like a guy walks up, doot, 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 doot. <laughs> and like he gets some money from the coffee from him, which by the way, he chugs. And it's like that coffee can't have been that fresh if he's chugging it. Right. I mean, he basically <laughs> chugged like Andy just chugged that water or whatever that is. <laughs> uh, and, and like, if that was hot Franca. coffee. I'm, you know, first time I saw it, I almost expected him to be like, ah, you know. Like, he he would have said, ah, and oh. <laughs> <laughs> would have said, ah, oh, no. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but, but, like, that's such a nice moment because, like, you don't get a lot of the mechanics of, like, you would go through a large portion of this movie thinking of Peter Fox just, oh, it's Peter Fox in this movie film. That's crazy. And then, and then he's like, I, I can see you, you know. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and no, it's so no, amazing. No, I, can't, I can't see you, but I know you're there. Yeah, 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 exactly. That, that's what he says. Yeah, right. And then and then Columbo is like this incredibly huge figure in like all of Europe. To the point that there's like this crazy um it was during like uh some conflict was it Serbian conflict, I can't remember, where they had they had Peter Falk do like a PSA for people to like put down their arms because like, oh, well, they'll listen if it's from you. And he's like, what, you're kidding me? You know, like, <laughs> which is so amazing. But that's how popular he was in Europe as this like iconic figure in the way that remember uh, when we uh, have talked about uh, you know, some of these silent films and things along those lines and how they have this universal appeal to people that don't speak English. Like there's some things that just get over. And the character of a Columbo, like, uh, Solvag's uh, character like like salutes him like uh, see you later lieutenant you know like everyone right. knows who he is and then there's that great scene of like the kids like was that Columbo he's like no right. no he couldn't possibly be not Columbo. in that jacket not in that jacket <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I love that that's like one of his one of uh, Bruno Gantz's characters adjustment period is like you know a game recognized game of like oh wait wait this guy did this already let's talk to him did you get some money right. yeah I did oh yeah but you got took oh, for yeah, that there are, there are lots oh there are lots of us yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's such a it's such it's, it's such a weird drop too, because it's like halfway through the movie that you're like, oh, that changes everything. Well, I had I had a bunch of questions that it kind of emerged with because uh, one one question I had is when he's um it, like if if you are saying that there's lots of uh lots of the angels that are like yeah. ex angels that are kind of wandering around, and another part of the movie he says, oh, there's not enough of us anymore, meaning that like. They've been mass quitting for a while, but uh, like there's there's the one time where he's quiet like quitting heaven, a, I guess, you know, like, sure, there's whatever. This, <laughs> there's this one time where he's behind a, a Japanese woman or a Chinese woman. I don't, I don't like but then he, he hears like he hears her thoughts, but they're in uh, Japanese or Chinese yeah. or something like like he so can't. it happens. So it have to be like a Japanese angel and they don't yeah. have the concept of angels in Japanese culture. Which that's yeah. something that um that one of the actors was like when it, when it premiered in, in Japan like everyone was like oh you know like are you real like you know because like it was such a, like a bizarre concept for them because they don't have that as part of their uh, you know predominant religions they have spirits but they don't and they don't have angels ghosts yeah exactly and and ghosts you know where ghost doesn't mean what it means in uh, um, Western culture. Yeah. This is one of my so one of my questions that Andy, I had, Andy's like uh, like oh, I want to get in on this. I'm sure, but he's frozen right now apparently. But, uh, <laughs> no, one one of the questions that I that I that it came up with for me 
is um you know like how many languages does each angel get to speak like because berlin is, is you kind think of they a, would have time to learn them i mean they literally yeah. were there <laughs> yeah. for the origination what are they there doing are so many different german dialects too you got the swiss german yeah. high german low german this german that german like people are surprised i'm like no there's there's different variations of german and my sister learned that when she went to europe a few years ago she's like it's german but it's not the same i'm like if you had taken and everybody german talks and way Spanish, too fast yeah, everybody talks way too fast. German and not Spanish, sis. You would know this. Yeah, but, uh, I, but maybe Spanish maybe is the, Spanish is the oh. same way though. Like uh, the the type of Spanish that they speak in, like uh, the Basque region, like they have their own, pretty much their own language. Or like they like different parts of Spain speak Spanish incredibly differently. Yeah, wow. well, hell, from like Puerto Rico. Like uh, I got a friend from Puerto Rico who who thought it'd be like, oh, let me take Spanish, easy A, and then realize a lot of like, a lot of Americans no, uh, learn either Spain, like Spanish, like from Spain, or they learn like you know the Mex the more Mexican uh, dialect, I guess, of, of Spanish. But look, if you're an English, if you're non English speaking as your first language person, and you come to America and you talk to someone from Boston. And you talk to someone from like Mississippi, and you talk to someone from California, like you, you know, you, if especially if they're speaking very fast, you might get lost as well. I mean, it's a dialect thing. So maybe these yeah. angels are like to certain areas. Maybe these are like this, the, you know, the, the, these are, well, yeah, look, exactly. When you do. Just talking. Yeah. <laughs> maybe these angels have only been stationed in Berlin for like all of, the course of humanity because remember they do talk about like oh yeah remember when this was like you know a bank and like these animals died and yada yada blah 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 they know all this history about berlin even before there was a berlin maybe they've never maybe they just get that's their area that's their zone well, and they, they even talk about napoleon getting chased out of uh berlin yeah. on like the roads and like the roman roads like they go through yeah. like an entire history lesson of of uh, the city of Berlin. Speaking of, if John Hughes had directed this film, would you say <laughs> that the angels are the eyes and ears of this whole institution? Podcasting? <laughs> no, I'm talking about. <laughs> it's a quote yeah, from the Breakfast Club. Come on the now. Angels. I'm sure Andy's thinking all the angels right now. <laughs> Angel dust, baby. Yeah, what is yeah. the John Hughes uh, pretty and white? Or pretty and yeah. gray, I guess you could say, because it's you know everyone's problematic. <laughs> pretty and white's a different movie entirely. Uh, now, I'm, now I'm imagining. Now I'm imagining the like scene in Breakfast Club where they're all in the detention room, but like you know Bruno Gans hanging out over on the. On, on yeah, the it's like a workplace comedy, but it's angels. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Yeah. Workplace comedy, but make it angelic. Right. Yeah, and replace the weed with cocaine, and then you got your uh, your, your uh, pretty and that, that scene with uh, with Bender getting more and more detention would hit differently. He's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, that's it. That's one thousand more years on Earth, friend, like, or whatever. And he's like, you want you yeah. want another thousand? Here, let me give you another thousand. That's another I mean, thousand. <laughs> it almost seems like that statue is their like angelic water cooler. They're just sitting around just BSing, like you know, looking at everything, you know. Why not? By the way, so there, so there were there were female angels uh, in the original yes. cut of this. Like he had a, a woman that was walking around, and you and you see her quickly in the library, but like she played a bigger role um, oh. in the actual thing. And then they just didn't use any of the footage of her. I, yeah. I thought there was several like where like care like because you would like you know they'd be walking by, and then there'd just be somebody sitting there and kind of like look up at them knowingly. I thought there was a couple of yeah of female characters who were like angels with their little in the library well in the library like when he walked through there were like a whole bunch of them 
there were like 10 different uh, people in there that all were standing next to someone and they looked up knowingly and like after a second you registered like, oh yeah, that's supposed to be an angel too. Like yeah, that's an angel. Look at those black code. Uh, they're Matrix angels. Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, that's not one scene, but they had a bunch of other They're scenes. shooting in slow motion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We had a bunch of other scenes with Cassiel and uh, some, you know, some woman that was running around with them doing the same, you know, angel things, but then they just... <laughs> He didn't end up cutting any of that together, I guess. Well, yeah, you know, there was, the guy's not afraid of a long runtime, yeah. as we've established until the end of the world. <laughs> but what would it have added to the story, really? It's just like, oh, there's more angels like doing stuff. I mean, 2023 also wants to know why these angels are gendered. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, I, I mean. decided to make some of the angels non-binary. <laughs> just make them all non-binary that'd be great that would that would definitely piss off matt walsh who definitely did not get his sim card hacked all right i don't want to talk about matt I, walsh i, I want to talk about wings about of i would design. literally have to try but, hard to not care less about that the, well, the one thing that the one, the one other sort of like interesting structural thing did you notice that uh, um the speech that peter falk gives um damiel mm-hmm when you first see it, it seems like, oh, this is this interaction that he's that he's having for the first time. But then he does the exact same speech. He's he's got like uh, some lines. He like has like his like intro speech that he does, right? You get the sense that you get the sense that he's done this a number of times. Exactly. Just just one more thing, I can touch the angel here. No, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> Dolly Parton probably gives the same speech because we you know she's with former angel. She's, yeah, he's, he's just kind of flying around us. trying to get trying to get more angels to quit. Right, he's exactly. Like, <laughs> he's like, it's all a secret labor movie, I, I actually. Like, no, your halo's a little tilted, a little slant, and it, it ain't up, you know. Maybe you're not cut out for this. <laughs> I would be but, that angel. You no, know, I do think that that is interesting, though, that, like, yeah, he's clearly... You know, maybe like like he does like the hand outstretch. He like you know does the like uh, you know like the whole thing is like he's got it. He's got a, a thing that yeah, he says. He's got a thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and and the difference is like Cassiel doesn't take his hand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which which again, one of the things about that deleted scene of like him doing all the the uh, I I literally almost said Karl Marx stuff. He was not doing Karl Marx stuff. He was doing Harpo Marx stuff. Thank you. No, we just, was like Peter Falk was doing the Karl Marx. Hey, the racism. Yeah, exactly. Let's go. Uh, is that like the surplus, the surplus value of angels? Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, but he, he he's like uh, that's, that's a great song that's title good. right there. Yeah, it's good to say. You got to write a new record already. Yeah, there you go. Keep that. Uh, is that he's kind of the more serious angel of the two of them? Like they're both pretty serious, but like, like it's he's definitely like he's a different kind of lawyer than Bruno Gantz's angel. To be well, sure, right? I mean, and that was the thing I was saying earlier, where like Gantz's character already seems like there's there's several scenes where he is actively like consoling somebody right and you see like that moment where it's like the guy on the train who's like you know bemoaning that his wife betrayed him and his friends don't live in near him and then they're like and then he like gives the you know he goes in for the angel hug and he's like oh mama was right you know and then there's the one where the guy was like in the motorcycle accident and you know he started like that one was really interesting because you know he's saying con- consoling things in his ear, and then the guy starts repeating him as he's dying. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting because, and also because, I mean, 
And it's just a, it's a very random list of words. Stuff like that. So I feel like one he's time like, he flies with the guy who was intending to commit suicide. He's like he's like Mississippi Delta. Is the baby crying? Like he just it's just a list of like <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a strange, you know, it's like a strange set of mantras. Yeah. I'm sure there's it's something. A, I, I think I my my guess is that it was all things that the guy would find comforting, like whatever, you know. Uh, thinking about like the water and the Mississippi Delta, but that's like <laughs> that's all well, the way across I, the Atlantic. Yeah, I, I think I I blocked out most of the memories of the American attempted remake, but I feel like that would be like the center of the movie for like a, a real style American remake of like, oh, how do they get shepherd them into like the next world? You know, and it's like it's barely that's a blip on the radar. What the American remake's about is is uh, that's Nicolas Cage's job in the movie is to shepherd yeah. people to the next yeah. world. Of course it is, because that's all anyone mm-hmm. gives a shit about, right? Yeah. So. Were they touching? And then, and then he sees a big, beautiful American flag, and he goes, and he goes, "Oh man, I, I wish I was an American." And he, you know, he, he decides to become that's an angel. Human. And, yes. and he joins the U.S. military. They send him to they send him to Baghdad. And then he killed somebody after he gets back and goes to prison. And uh, as they fly him back on a plane, it's a prequel. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's a prequel to Con Air. And then, and then <laughs> he, he he prays, and he has his Shawshank Redemption. Honestly, it explains some of the cinematography in Con Air. <laughs> but anyway, whatever. Uh, that came out in nineteen ninety eight. Jesus. Yeah. So I think that it's, but the Peter Falk, who, by the way, there's a lot of great hat discourse coming from Peter Falk in this movie. Oh yeah, uh, Lumber doesn't wear a hat, and and I appreciate. I appreciate oh man, I forgot to wear a hat. <laughs> I appreciate that Vin Vendors brought him in because he wanted someone recognizable, but also wanted he didn't want it to be like so super serious because it is so super serious in like so many ways. And Falk is fantastic as a dramatic actor, but obviously there's there's like a, a low key funniness about like a lot of you know his this you know. Him, him be, t- doing the Columbo thing. And I love, personally, that the first thing Peter Fox, oh, yeah, Cassavetes used to work that way, about, like, the whole thing of, like, you know, having large section of it be improvised and, like, going off of prompts and things like that. Because, of course, he did. I mean, like, look at, like, you know, uh, what is it, Husbands and, uh, you know, like, well, Mikey and Nikki, which is technically uh, Lane May, not Cassavetes, but, like, uh, Wimbledon and the Influence, right? And, of course, we that, talked about that. I saw that a couple months ago, and so good. it was so bizarre watching Peter Falk play an abusive husband. Yeah, because he kind of, like, he kind of low-key sucks. Falk, but he's, like, he's, yeah, he's unhinged, and he's angry, and he's, yeah. like, like, on the verge of violence all the time. And I'm like, this is Peter Falk? He's yeah. yelling at his well, wife. Well, he's yelling at his mom. He's yelling at you know the mystery can't be solved. It's just too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, yeah. If you think, um, well, all right. Uh, I think you're trying to play a clip for us. There, well, there's other ones that he's even worse. Let's put it that way. Uh, this is him talking but, about casting. Mikey and Nikki uh, is an, is another great one, and we've uh, you know we talked about that with uh, with Matthew Film Guy. But it, it definitely like he's a great actor. He just basically like. Became typecast in a way, okay, there's worse things in life than being known for a beloved character like the world round that has brought joy to people, right? But he was typecast. <laughs> but there's worse things that, that have happened in life. And, and, and I think he this. embraced the typecasting to a certain degree because yeah. I've seen I've seen I've seen things like, you know, Peter Falk as as Peter Falk emceeing Hollywood events and it's the Columbo persona. You know, it's like sure. 
you know, I mean, just one like, more thing. No, it's time to dance. Yeah. Well, he's doing. I mean, and he's doing it here. Too. That sounds. That sounds way like more like Al Pacino. Than... All right, whatever. I'm not a professional impressionist. I just do the comedy. I'm gonna right? solve a mystery. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you want me to bust chops next time you attempt an impression? Because I will do it. It will be merciless. But anyway, yeah, does. Everybody does. <laughs> play the clip. Now with costumes, I'll tell you what you worry about. The hat. The hat is the most difficult thing. Come on. How about trying that? For Christ's sakes, yeah. give me a good hat here, will you? First of all, there's a lot of shots in the movies that come from here up. So who cares about your shoes? They don't care. And your pants and all that. Sometimes even a coat. But from here up, that's that's where the money is. We were already two or three weeks into the shoot when I realized there was something missing. And I realized it was some sort of more comical figure who wouldn't take himself so seriously. I had the feeling everything was too serious. These angels took themselves too seriously. And somehow the film needed another, needed some intrusion into this world. My assistant, Claire Denis and me, we had this glorious idea to add the character of a former angel. Somebody who had gone through what Damien was about to go through. And the more I thought about it, the more I figured it better be somebody very famous because the idea of a former angel would be so much more convincing or so much more thrilling if it was something that we all knew. The Clover character was, I mean, everybody knew him. Everybody knew him. And just one more thing, and where's your raincoat? It was fantastic. The German people connect with that character. It, uh, and I, maybe that's why Vim thought of it, you know. I guess they have such a um, such an affection for that character. They're so interested in him that he would be a, a good ex-angel. And there was some tenderness in him and some something very convincing, a friendliness and a gentleness in his whole persona that I figured would translate the his being a former angel really well. Ex angel? I heard of ex convicts. I heard of ex wives. I never heard of an ex-angel. And he said, this is the craziest thing that I've ever been offered. And you have no script? I said, no, we have no script. When do you need me? <laughs> Maybe he uh, he loved Wim and he wanted to take part in this kind of uh, experience and developing something not new exactly before what... And uh, I think he liked this uh, way to do this film. When he came, he was Colombo. And when he went after three weeks, he was a, a friend of mine. I'm your friend. He started as Colombo. What might say he's an American friend? Thank you. <laughs> oh, another Vin Vendors started... movie for those of you who don't get the joke. <laughs> I only do my jokes for the Criterion Collection audience. Sorry. <laughs> He started off. He started off as as Colombo. He ended up as my friend. <laughs> but you know that's a big deal for them. Like he's he's big deal in uh, in uh, in not just Germany, like in Europe. You know, I mean, there's there's the way in which he's a big deal, but there's also the way in which 
wouldn't I I can't imagine Peter Falk wouldn't be one of the most fun people to hang out with. Apparently he left around like another week after filming, just in case there was something else to do because he loved hanging out in Berlin so much, which is hard relatable, frankly. <laughs> I was like, that sounds great, yeah. And yeah. then the hilariously, they didn't have anything for him to do, but then later on they're like, Hey, we want you to do some some voiceover for like when you're on the plane and stuff. Like until like way later, like before, like almost before the the final cut of the film, and like he did it in the studio, and that's where like the whole thing in the plane where he's talking about his grandma, which of course angels wouldn't have a grandma, yeah. right? I have a theory for that, which is that the grandma in question is just like someone that obviously was not uh, related to him, but someone that adopted that figure in his life after he became a human. So thank you, and Vin Benders. Just PayPal me, Conan at Neutron dash X Because Vim was just like, yeah, it's a screw up. <laughs> he totally <laughs> did. <laughs> we're not gonna like what we're gonna do. What we're gonna tell Peter Falk? No. <laughs> exactly, we all exactly. needed Oma. Exactly. Exactly. Andy, you were gonna say something. What, what, no, what? I was just gonna add that American Friend is on my uh, Criterion Challenge too. <laughs> there you go. So if you want to fulfill Andy's Criterion Challenge, then uh, I guess we should cover that one also. We all have yes. Been I love that uh, they have him uh, drawing throughout Peter Falk doing like his art, which is which is the... what he really does. Yeah. Oh, does he really? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, when he was uh, on sets, that was uh, because there's like long mo times while they're like setting up uh, shots. He might not be in it, but he's on call. Whatever. Mm -hmm, He'll mm -hmm. just sit around, draw, uh, draw people, draw, draw like self portraits, uh, just whatever he wants. And and his uh, his sketches are just so lively. Like like I, I love them. There's there's so much energy to them. He's just like you for real. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Falk drives. Wow. Look at yeah. that. Nice. Um, I'm oh, learning so, all kinds well, of stuff on this show. I love, <laughs> I love the voiceover. I love the, 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 when the angel's there and he's drawing and you hear in his, you hear in his head, this drawing is terrible. <laughs> no, I, I, oh my god I that's really, like, that's, I like I, that literally is me every single time i'm drawing <laughs> like, i also like in awesome. his head when he's like maybe someday i'll do a good drawing and <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 it's like got that internal i mean look anybody who's an artist uh can certainly identify with that well and the and woman the, and the old gone, woman is like, the old woman like maybe he'll give it to me and he's going, yeah 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 that's what gonna, the old woman <laughs> is just like he's like oh maybe he will give me some drawing and he's like this drawing sucks this is a a terrible drawing, but she's got yeah. such such interesting nostrils. Yeah. <laughs> There's a dramatic nostril there. <laughs> the dramatic nostril, yeah, exactly. I'd say you you chose it as your nickname. You have to opine on it. It's the law. Yes, no, it, 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 that, that's what's like like such a great because like I, that's what I'm always thinking whenever I'm drawing people. It's like you know I, I'll focus in on like a particular feature of them, but kind of get it to look like them. And you know, so you know, yeah, sometimes you're like I'm yeah. I think we need an angel of the internet to fix Andy's yeah, that, internet that, connection. That yeah. sounded like that sounded like ten seconds of somebody playing pong. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It, of, of, it was. <laughs> it, it, it sounded like it sounded like Robocop dying is what it sounded like. <laughs> so anyway. Uh wait, so so a line that I wanted to no, talk no, about. Um but while while we're on the scene, a line that I wanted to talk about is the guy that's dressed up as a Nazi uh, for the movie that you know because he's in the movie where it's uh, yeah, some movie about Nazis or like at least like like he's, what, he's like a, he actually he's a Columbo like figure that's a yeah. that's a you know a private detective that gets hired to go to Germany during World War II or right after and hunt down the person's family 
uh, like brother and and their son or something, and then the brother. He dead. sums up the plot in the movie, yeah. which is hilarious because yeah. yeah. he clearly doesn't think that much of it at the same time. Right, but he's right. like, whatever, I'm here. You know, they bring me but, a um, the detective story. <laughs> God, I love I love the line though where it's the guy he's dressed as a Nazi and he's like the Nazis knew new fashion they had a good fashion sense. Right. It's right. Like Kanye, Kanye, what are you doing here? Yeah, yeah, it's a little, a little too timely, right? Um, yeah, I, I mean that whole and, and that set, like you know, it looks like an interesting film. Like they they've got like the the production design looks amazing, you know. <laughs> but I love that like that's not a uh, that's not a huge plot point. It's just literally why Peter Falk is there. And then, like, yeah, he's, like, sketching this survivor who's an actual survivor as an extra, you know, which is, like, kind of, like, wow. He's an extra. These people are extras. Extra people. (laughs) I I love that line. I think that's a... I thought like the, a bit of the editing that was really amazing to me was that taxi ride where he then sees the... Then he sees, like, a World War II scene kind of superimposed and then... You know, it's like this. You could tell because it's like the way that found footage from World War II was kind of used in the movie and like inter- yeah. spliced in here and there. And then as he's driving up, like these scenes of actual World War II Nazis coalesce into like now it's very similar looking, but it's these actors. And I'm not I'm not completely sure about this, but um, the way that this was edited in the uh, at least in the documentary, um, it seems like the the found footage kind of stuff that they had of the Holocaust was also used in their Kurt Bois documentary. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. Um, I would love to see that documentary because, like I said, just that little two minute teaser with like him basically not allowing Vim Vendors to say the thing that they want him to say for like the the collection is hilarious. It's like it's like they they're. I would watch a comedy movie that's Vim Vendors and Kurt Bois. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not that any such thing exists as established canonically by that two minute short, but. Did you guys know that the uh, the last scene in this is a pie fight that they shot um, between the angels and and I guess uh, <laughs> I guess he took the they took the note from Kurt Bois seriously. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know this film shit in a pie fight. <laughs> Are you sure you're not thinking of um, uh, Doctor Strange Love? Yeah, <laughs> you can't fight in here. It's the war room. <laughs> What were you saying, Christina? I was sorry. Oh no, I was just saying. I was about to say food fight. Yeah, <laughs> nothing like a good pie in the face. I say it all the time. It'll really class up the film. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Did it like? Is that a deleted scene then? Like what? What? Or, or was it just, just like them funning around them, afterwards? Yeah, probably. Hmm. All right. There he is. All right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's got to be just the like pie fight. And I finally get to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Classic. It didn't survive. Yeah, that rocks. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. That should be a gift for this show. (laughs) Both of those should be gifts for this show that, like, anytime someone gets ganged up on. Yeah, the material looks pretty abused, as you see. That's been lying in the. <laughs> it's been a good time. And the last pie, the one that wasn't used so far, in the end was also <laughs> used with auto sitting right into it. The flash that you saw there <laughs> was actually my 
DP. No, that was myself. It is not. This is Henri Alicorn, who walked into the shot at the end. Because he loved the scene. And and he threw another a leftover piece of pie into she she hit she hit she hit him with a piece of pie. I feel like that's what you get from shooting. <laughs> they announced a, a the um there's a new edition of this of this film that Criterion just put out on, on Blu-ray. Like they upscaled it to like U what's UHD? What's the thing that's like supposed to be above four K? Uh, yeah, but but 6K? they did like six <laughs> k. Sure, sure, they updated. They just keep, they adding, updated. They just keep adding k's. They're like, oh, screw eight. everything. We're doing five k. Yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> that's that's a deep cut onion reference, by the way. <laughs> uh, but they, I don't even I don't even remember where I got this cheetah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like, it's interesting because like I remember I saw this before the first restoral. And it's sort of like there was like a sepia tone uh, kind of to this. Uh, Joe, Andy, you, you, wait, Andy, you hadn't seen it before, right? No, no, no. no. I, I watched it years ago. Do you remember like it being kind of sepia, like more sepia than black and white? Or am I just I inventing this? Clear, I don't have a clear memory of that. God damn it. So this is this is the story of how that happened. What good are you? No kidding. <laughs> this, is, this is the story of uh, the why pie fight? it was sepia. No, why okay. it was sepia tone. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, gee. I've set you oh, up wow. and I didn't even know it. That's professional of me. Yeah, Jesus. In the old times when you have film, every evening you see what we call the rushes of the last day. You shoot your film during the day, then the lab develops it, and the next day they make a they make they produce the rushes, which is the first print from the camera negative. The camera negative is the original negative that run through the camera. So the next evening, you would see, because there was no video um, output or anything in these cameras, you would have to wait until the next, next day to see what you did. So the next evening, Henri Alecon, the master of black and white who shot this film, 80 years he was when he did it, we went late at night to the lab and saw what we did the other day. And we all saw it in the second generation of, of the film, which is the first print. Negative, first print. And it looked fantastic. All of it in black and white looked gorgeous. And at the lab, they still knew how to do black and white, and Henri was very, very happy. Eventually, we shot color elements to the film, especially for the ending. Henri was still happy, but not so happy because he would have liked to go on in black and white because that was his world. Yeah. Color was new, <laughs> <laughs> but he did well. And even the Nikkei concert shot by an 80-year-old man didn't look so bad. <laughs> so, and eventually Henri had to come back because we had to make the print. By then I knew the tough story I had to tell him, dear Henri, the beauty of your rushes is down the drain. What we saw together will never exist on the screen again. Because in order to make a print where you have elements in black and white shot on black and white negative and color shot on color negative, in order to get that together and have distribution prints, 
it came down to six generations removed. Original negative, first print, a duplicate negative, the next generation separated black and white and color because it's a long story. It has to do with the special effects we did and all of that. Anyway, the very first print, combined print, that was shown when the film was first released, and every print afterwards in the world was six generations removed from the original camera negative. Six generations removed from the beauty of Henri's work, from the resolution, from the sharp black and white. And anybody of you who have seen it before saw it with tints. There was sepia tints and red tints and blue tints in all the black and white sequences because you cannot print from color negative and you cannot make a film where you do parts of it in black and white, print in black and white and part in color. You had to print the whole thing on color negative. And Henri, when he slowly understood the consequences, was really deeply disturbed because his black and white was gone and it was now always tinted. It had a little slight tint. And ever since the film was seen like this for more than 20 years with these tints and everybody thought that was meant that's this way. Only I knew it wasn't meant like this. That was the technical consequence of the stupid idea of shooting in balls in color and blue, black and white. <laughs> Total and complete vindication. <laughs> I knew it. Because I, I remember it being like sepia tone. And, and, like I, and then I was like, did I just invent that? <laughs> now this brings up questions about... Um... Tokyo Drifter, which we did a while ago, because remember, yeah. like they, they shot a whole sequence in black and white because they just happened to have like a canister of black and white film that was uh, going to go bad. So they, they just used it. And, yeah. um, uh, you know, like, like, how did that look? Uh, uh, you know, are we seeing like just the remastered uh, black and well, white? Well, it's what makes that movie iconic. What's make that movie yeah. like, you know, something like sought after, but maybe it wasn't the original vision. Who knows? Happy accident. Yeah. I have questions. The happy, happy little tree, happy little jitter. Yeah. So how would like so so the re, the restoration? So there was a restoration where they. So when you see the black and white parts, the black right. and white had a, a color twin to it. It was it was sort of like um, like again, I can only describe it as being like the sepia tone filter that you use on like Instagram or right. whatever these days. So, but what what changed? So what changed that allowed them to not have it be that way now? Uh, maybe that's in the next part of the clip. Uh, you're on the ambient forest. Yeah, probably probably because it's uh, digital now and not uh, necessarily all digital restored or something. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Do you know forest? But I I don't I think it's still it's not the original black and white that they shot it in, right? Like you can you can restore something and and change around the hues on it, but I, it, it's still I think uh, tinted. I mean, at least according to because that's from the BFI yeah. like uh, when they released it as like a 4K release or whatever. Like that that's a pretty recent um you know conversation that you had. But but not as recent as this newer version, the four K UHD uh that apparently is like a so different story. Okay. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh all, yeah, all new days. Uh, but yeah, that's fascinating because because again, I I just assumed that like with the sort of storybook fairy tale sort of feel of it, that it was an aesthetic decision to have it be like look like it was like from the nineteen twenties or something, you know. And like I was like, oh, that's it. But then you see that the scene at the end uh, where you see like she's doing like the what do you call it? with the you're on the rope and you're doing the stuff and you're going around like that like the, the trapeze. Doing that stuff. Yeah, and Bruno Gantz is uh, sitting there and helping her do it, and then you see his angel buddy like. 
Lampin on the on the stairway, but he's black and white. And yeah, yeah, that was that was. That's interesting that that's like the one time you see them combined in the entire film. And we you we saw the thing of it earlier where it showed the like the halftone, the um the uh, you know the angels like sometimes looking like they were only half there, like half dissolved. I'm I'm kind of glad that wasn't throughout the whole movie. Like right. I think that's like the typical choice that you would do to like show that someone's an otherworldly figure, and I think that takes away from it. The interesting thing is the two the two times that happens is when. Uh, um, Damiel interacts with a physical object, and I found it really fascinating because there's the one where he like he's in the he's in the library and he picks up a pen. Yeah, and you see like the ghost pen holding a spiritual instance yeah. of the pen, but the pen that he picks up is still there. And and I mean, and that was also like that's a moment of that film where right. it messes him up because he's like holding it and looks at it, and he's like sitting down, and then he does this like this like crucifixion pose yeah. in the chair. Um, and, you know, and then Castile's looking on at him going, man, you're. <laughs> and then the other time is when he's in Marion's trailer and he picks up a rock. Yeah. Yeah. And he's carrying that rock around with him in the scene right before he quote unquote dies. Right. Cause you see him sitting there like this with that rock as he's talking about, you know, becoming human in the scene right before he does like the one where that, that great scene where the camera pans away and then yeah. pans, back pans back and he's being, you know, I think it's well, kind of got the uh, rock spirit idea. You know, they, 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 they're like, ah, we get that. Like, well, yeah, that we understand the rest of this. Not so much. Yeah. I love how there's like a spiritual instance of every material object. Yeah. It really you makes you think about the brave little toaster. Doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it is like our conversation about consent earlier and this movie. It's interesting that he like comes to her in a dream for that one uh, sequence really yeah, fast. There's this strange way that like the, the idea of like this sort of familiarity, unfamiliarity. It's like when, when they see when, when they meet at the bar, she clearly knows who he is. Right. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a visual familiarity, not just like, I know your spirit. I know your vibes, like however you want to describe it, you know, like, and she also seeks out Peter Falk uh, seemingly with the understanding that maybe he can help as Columbo, I guess. uh, (laughs) Well, so, so, so what I love, so that's a great observation for us. Cause, cause I think you could argue that on some subconscious level, she might understand it because he's like a former angel, but like the conscious level is, Oh, well, he's like, you know, the most famous detective (laughs) in Europe. Right. Where it's like this cultural icon. And like, he's just sitting there at the food truck and like, ah, maybe he can help me, you know, but she doesn't have any information. uh, That's a great scene. It's like, all right. So you don't know like what he looks like. You don't know what his age is. All right. We're doing great. You know, (laughs) like it's it's like you hunt down um, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and you're like Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Everyone just their most famous role is like what they're best at. You know, you can get James Doohan; he can fix fix any engine, right? Yeah. Yo, Sherlock Holmes. I'm looking for somebody on Tinder. Um, you know, the mystery of the uh, one night stand. Yeah. I don't know, man. Maybe Doctor Strange can help. (laughs) Exactly. Maybe you need magic. I don't know what you're up to. Yeah. You do a spell for you. I can just. Oh, I have Agamotto's been used for more flipping things. I saw the Spider-Man movie. <laughs> a you. Spider-Man movie? No, the Spider-Man movie where the, the the joke is Peter Parker uses it for the college admission stuff. I know. 
You of all people should get that. Jesus, jumping. I Christ. do. I'm just teasing okay. you. All right, all right. <laughs> We're having fun here. <laughs> having fun. We're having a blast. Hey, you know what's you know what's fun? What's that for us? Oh, damn, I was I was trying to I was trying to. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to. I was trying to get your. It was bit. a great uh, setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Let's here. I know. I have uh, a lot of fun. Austin Conan's chops. Uh, Apparently, yeah. <laughs> historic pastime. Uh, no, Letterbox. That's a that's a fun site. You know, it's a site where you can. Uh, it's an. Are you familiar, Joe Cannon? Do you know Letterbox? Have I talked about Letterbox at all? Uh, no, not a lot. Well, it's a it's a social media site for film lovers. They get to talk at with and to each other about. <laughs> <laughs> but the films they love, the films they didn't love, the films they were really thirsty for, uh, you know, the films that maybe they violated some consent laws by uh, sitting too close to. Who knows? Uh, but all of this, of course, it's uh, not just for the Siskels and Eberts of the world. Everyone gets to have their say. Everyone gets to chime in. Everyone gets to have their observations, throw it out there, work on their tight five in front of the brick wall of the comedy store, whatever works for you. These, in fact... Well, it's, it's for a bit we do. It's called Letterbox One-Liners. So these are the Letterbox One-Liners for Wings of Desire. Which I feel like I threw you off a little us. bit with my, with my trying to... I couldn't tell if you were ready or not. That's why I was filibustering. I wouldn't want to hear my thoughts if I were me. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, me and Christina are angels. By the way. <laughs> you guys are... That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> Wait, Christina, do it again. Do it again. <laughs> all right i thought this one was a, this is a, sometimes sometimes it's a swing and a miss i guess i guess you know i know i thought i liked it <laughs> i'll never look at columbo the same way again <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean i still i still will you know but maybe maybe as an angel you know i'm just built different <laughs> <laughs> well I'm, I'm just saying like i don't think he did anything that is like out of character in this movie. I, seems... I mean, mm. you know, is it a movie about Nazis? But like, it doesn't appear to be a Nazi, so you know, that's good. Did not see that coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Turning my thoughts into poetry, just in case a German man with a tiny ponytail is listening. When a child was a child, he didn't know he was a child. <laughs> that that is a good point. Uh, that uh, uh, that wait, go back. Uh, that that's a good point because. I don't know about y'all, but yeah, I, I, my thoughts are not always so uh, articulate and uh, poetic. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no, yeah, I remember one time, you know, driving along, thinking like, "Oh my God, it's a triceratops. I hope it doesn't ram me." You know, <laughs> that's, that's a spinoff, the Prestige Disney Plus series that I want to see, which is Wings of Desire, but Andy is the principal character, and they're just following like whatever he's up to, his antics. I, I feel like I feel like these days though with the wings of desire, a lot of the thoughts are just angels having to listen to that like how horny you are scrolling online. You're just like <laughs> people are like <laughs> people are like I wonder. Kurt Law said I... he wanted Vin Vendors to do a comedy, right? Great. <laughs> like he has scrolled like six different apps tonight uh, and looked at you know and looked at girls he kind of vaguely knows. Like maybe maybe we should you know do an intervention, an angel. <laughs> Put him in horny jail. All right, moving on. <laughs> what the film doesn't explicitly state is that the best part about becoming human is losing that anthropology professor ponytail. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's true. I mean, I'm they're, not going to lie. I forgot about the ponytails until I saw this. Like, I was like, <laughs> they, they do have those little ponytails. It's really bizarre. I was watching yeah. something about it that, that apparently it was like this coy 
like gesture towards the samurai costume when yeah. and, it was, and it was supposed to sort of identify them as having like a duty that they were adhering to the duty was not fashion apparently because it looked terrible yeah. in this case in this case the uh the duty is working for the nsa Said I duty. think the duty was more like uh, looking like a uh, diehard villain. <laughs> Award for worst jacket in cinema goes to Damiel at the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not a great jacket. No. And he's he's all hyped. He like trades his fucking armor to get that jacket. Yeah. Like because I was watching the deleted scenes and Vendors is like, uh, yes, he traded his armor so he could get this 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 nasty. Yeah, coat. So, so he could look like a cut rate Doctor Who ripoff. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> he he looks like uh, like oh. Danny DeVito in like Matilda or whatever. Where he's like the car salesman. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's, no, no, it's, I, I do like this. I do like this idea of a. Uh, yeah. Um, Tom Baker's wasteful Tom Tom Baker's wasteoid uh, cousin. <laughs> this is the Tom Baker. Exactly. Hey, 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 hey! Wait, not actually related. They're not related. No. Let the record show. Snap, snap. Correction, 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 correction. I wish I could smoke and drink coffee with Peter Falk. Mm. At the same also, time. Also, tag Dream Blunt rotation. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I do love I do love that line though when he's like uh, you know smoking and having a coffee at the same time he's like it's one of the all time great things that you miss out when you're an angel or whatever like the movie uh, Coffee and Cigarettes by Jim Jarmusch outlines in multiple skits yeah we're all angels I mean about that yeah. I wonder if Bill yes. Murray is a is an angel that <laughs> that's a great film I like I mean I love all Jim Jarmusch but that's a great film. I would give my left tit to be able to go to a Nick Cave show in the 80s. Like, my whole left titty. I am not kidding. <laughs> yeah. 100%. I'm a huge fan, but man, the whole titty? Maybe <laughs> half of it. <laughs> Maybe a little titty. I, I mean, like, personally, I'd love to see that, that tour where he brought the piano out on stage to do that Elvis song at the end of every night. They cry every night. Yeah, it's a thousand mile walk in the desert for an ice cream cone, my friend. Imagine being such a simp you give up immortality. Shaking my head. Is this but is it like the first I wonder if it's the first woman he's been horny <laughs> That's Christina's to. disapproving look on the on this right there. <laughs> but like I, I wonder if it's like the first woman that he's been horny for too, because he's been there since the beginning of time and he's seen lots of women. What has he like, been doing this whole time? You never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, apparently, yeah, I don't know. You know, pocket pussies, flashlights, the whole thing. It, wait, it's the outline of a pocket pussy and the outline of a flashlight. <laughs> it's the it's spectral version of those things. Yeah. Angels are alive and well and can always be found in Nick Cave concerts. True. This is known. And they're living true. in Germany. That's true. As apparently I was watching was Austin's cave. Limits, that performance he did, and there's just angels everywhere. Well, apparently Nick Cave was living in, uh, you know, in Germany during this time. He was. Whole bad seeds yep. were actually. Oh, that's that doesn't that's another notable thing. I know I'm I'm supposed to be getting my own bit on this. One of like the rockers in like that deleted scene is Roland S. Howard of the Birthday Party. Birthday Party yep. is Nick Cave and Mick Harvey's first band. At this point, yeah, who was in Cry the City Solution at that point? He's in Cry, which is the other band that's it's uh, that's in here, and Roland S. Howard is playing guitar for them. So that's notable in a number of ways, especially for like my people, my nerds, uh, that it's rolling us out. One of my favorite guitar players of all time, by the way. Did you see my, uh, did you see my tag on, on my review of the movie? With, I saw uh, you misspelled two different tags, if that's what you're asking. Uh, yeah, you know, I, there, there's 
be the form of You misspelled that. nostril and you misspelled Roland S. Howard. It's it's R O W L A N D. That's more excusable oh. than nostril. Okay. Anyway, we regret the error. <laughs> uh those are the letterbox one liners for Wings of Desire. Please, 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 please follow the show. That's the Peter Falk hat salesman. Ugh. Oh, the smaller box is killing me. Uh, right over there, he's the he's the show movie, <laughs> movie night extra. Yeah, <laughs> movie night extra is that way. Um, so follow him. He's the show. I am the former angel Conan Neutron. I'm all over that biz. Following the uh, the highbrow, the midbrow, uh, you know, populist fair, all the good stuff that's in between. Follow me along for the Criterion Challenge if you dare. Andy sure is. He's knocking them off left and right with all our choices lately. Uh, yes. Explica Deutsch over there, Christina Oaks. She's, she's, she's on Letterbox, but she ne- she never posts. So maybe if you maybe if you'll be your friend, maybe if you follow engage with this queen the way yeah. that she needs to be, she will start posting again on it. Who knows? Don't worry, I got some lined up for the Barbie movie. All right, I, I believe you. I believe you. I love that it's Oppenheimer and Barbie same night, right? The, did you the see? Did night? you see the poster of the Barbie with the Barbie poster mixed with the Oppenheimer like, you know, like Bob. the mashup? It was so good. I, I did not, but I can like, picture it. There was, so, there was somebody like uh, dueling headlines, I guess. One of them was like, um, you know, Barbie bombs as Oppenheimer rises or something. And the other one uh, was uh, was she Oppenheimer nukes. All. He's just Ken or something like that. No, no, it's like it's like uh, Oppenheimer nukes Barbie movie ticket sales. <laughs> they just have these pre-written and ready to go, like, uh, like a good headline writer. Anyway, Joe Cannon, we've established you're not on Letterboxd. You barely know what it is. But if you were, I would tell them to follow you on there. Uh J. Andrew, Dramatic Nostril World. He spelled it right there. <laughs> You're not the City of Angels, but you are the guy that does the plugs. So let's hear those plugs, please. Thank you very much. Take it away. All right. If you're watching us on YouTube right now, please do those YouTube things. Like, comment, subscribe. Hit that bell and watch the video to the end. It's a big act, I know. But uh, it helps uh, other movie fans find us. And you get to hear a great Conan Neutron song. You do. Written exclusively um, for the show. And remixed yes. for 2023. Yes. Meaning I actually mixed it this time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, you can find us on social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, You know, pick your poison, uh, whichever one last, uh, or, you know, whichever, whichever apps you happen to uh, be on, you know, please, please follow us where uh, we're trying to meet you where you're at. Yes. Just like we're trying to meet your internet connection where it's at. So you can hopefully complete this bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, why, that's why we're is... not interrupting you. It's not great. Okay. It, it's not. I'm gonna kick it to Christina Bad, but it's not great. Mm. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. We have a Patreon. Uh. So please just on Patreon. Um. Uh. Patreon.com. Movie Night Extravaganza. Uh. You know. Um. Uh. The thing about the uh get helping us on supporting us on Patreon is that uh, uh you get access to our after parties forever. Whenever we have them. Whenever we have them, which hasn't been for a while now. <laughs> yeah, Maybe they, next week, when Andy Kittler comes on, we'll have an after party. All right. I, I, I could do an after party tonight. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I could, I could get it away on it. I do have a bottle of wine within reach of me. With so your name on it. It's, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's right here. But yeah, you can. Andy's right. There's a lot of cool stuff in the after party sometimes. And there's always a lot of nonsense as well. So if you think it's shows, half. it's half. It's, it, it, is, it is indeed fun and funny. Come for Thank the you. come for the intelligent bits. Stay for nonsense. Stay for the abject nonsense and the bits. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There's the intelligent bits and there's just the bits. Much like just the solos. 
Yes. Which, speaking of which, uh, ah, that's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. What a segue. Your, uh, um, Fractity. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's... which uh, <laughs> you can get over at... <laughs> Just acknowledging it, yeah, yeah, that's well, right. I, mean, I didn't know there was more coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Actionchief.bandcamp.com. Yeah. There, there we go. I don't have that written down for some reason. I got, I got the neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Um, yeah, let's go to that instead. <laughs> <laughs> which you can also go there and get some coded neutron music. Uh, with uh, yes. is Joe on any of the albums? No. 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 Okay. He's just, <laughs> he's just yeah which doesn't he's mean he can't alive. be in the future i mean we, we no, just, no. you know there hasn't like look it's i don't know what to tell you i didn't, didn't expect to be put on the spot like this jesus i, wa I wasn't in la that weekend <laughs> yeah 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 it's like it's yeah, uh it's uh, the, the only other people there's a few people that have done like guest guitar but it's, it hasn't been uh it hasn't been something that traditionally we've done but you can usually see joe cannon at the live shows he, he plays a lot of them when he's not playing with his own band Yes. Yeah, which, uh, by the way, there is some live shows coming up, too. There are. We're playing uh, New York uh, the last Wednesday of the month, uh, pre-Catterwall. And we got a show in Chicago with uh, Biggin that's uh, June 10th, if I remember correctly. Uh, we have a Louisville show. Uh, well, we have Louisville. two of them, but we we have a Louisville show that's uh, the last, it's the 31st. And then there's there's other stuff that I can't quite speak about just yet, but. And of course, Scatterwall. Of course, Scatterwall. Yeah, yeah. Let's just here we go. Look at this. Look at how prepared I am. <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> which, which you can actually see both Conan and uh, uh, and both Scatterwall. Joe Cannon is who he's talking about. He's talking about okay. Joe Cannon, folks. Yeah, uh, in, in both Action Chief and Conan Neutron, the Secret Friends. Additionally, Joe is playing two other times. Two other times. In the Incredible Resurrectionists, who are uh, playing yes. on Monday, and the Incredible Delicious Monsters, who are also playing on uh, Saturday. Yes, and uh, I there, did there's... not realize. Wow. Yep. yep. You can OD on Joe Cannon at the, uh, the festival, folks. So um... I'm only playing twice. Joe Cannon's playing four times. <laughs> so that, there you go. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Caterwall.org. Uh, if you're thinking about going and you're watching this stream, I. Uh, tickets go up tomorrow because we are announcing that the surprise secret band is flipper with shannon selberg of the cows uh and the ticket prices are going up so if you didn't prepare accordingly i don't know what to tell you you've been hearing these plugs for forever so um but yeah exciting so that's that's catterwall exciting. yes and, and i think there's an episode of flipper on protonic reversal too yep steve tapachi's on um there's an episode of Protonic, and you'd have to look in the archives for that. I just had Mike Moraski of Simple Bathabon. That was great. Damien from McCluskey and St. Pierre Snake Invasion was a weekend special. I'm having the boys in Elephant Rifle on this week who are playing Caterwall as well. It's actually going to be almost all Caterwall guests for the coming Thursdays, except for Dave Lombardo of Slayer, which is next week. Wow, which is big, like, big get. yeah, you, you, you make room for that. You leave room yeah, for the yeah. Lord and Dave Lombardo. Those, these are the rules. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, yeah, so I think that's all my stuff. We should mention maybe the reason why Joe's here is the Resurrectionist record. Now that we're Which all we're just going to get to, yes, because it's, okay. it's a fantastic record. Um, called Silver uh, Stars right there. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They're big, they have big clock rock energy. Here, point it out again, Joe. There you go. 
That's the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mirrors. Yeah. Star, star of at least one of the videos. Um, it's in like a lot of them. Actually. It's in three yeah. of the videos three. and then like coyly referenced in several of the others. Yeah. Uh, if I would have known, I would have thrown in the one I did for y'all, but I, I didn't know. Yeah. Just... It, it, it sort of, it was, uh, it, it showed up in the three videos that Brian made for us because. Yeah, but you couldn't put it in the pool. Well, like, let's be fair. That, that <laughs> we did not put it in the pool. We probably going to be the same afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> oh. gotta give it some water wings. This is a non clock now. This is a clock shaped object. <laughs> it, it's it, it developed quite the attitude after starring in so many videos. It's yeah. got a real entitlement. Yeah, it doesn't, complex. it doesn't deign to clock anymore. <laughs> but why is it notable, Joe? Is there something notable about all these videos? Uh, that there, that there's one for every song on the record. Goddamn yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, on 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 the, the April twenty third, there's going to be the inaugural Resurrectionist Film Fest for uh, Milwaukee residents. That's at Cactus Club. And for everyone um, else, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, or fly to I Milwaukee. Mean, you can drive or, in. For, you know, the, you, you start they, driving now. You can make yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. Beep beep. And uh, yeah, that event you're going to have like you show all the videos, and there's other work by the the different directors and stuff, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good time. It's, yeah. And a lot of bands say they're going to make a video for every song on the record. I've, I I think this may be the first time I've seen someone actually do it. I said it, by the way, and I got through like four yeah. out of 12. <laughs> I mean, it didn't hurt that it took this. It took for goddamn ever to get this record finished. I know. So we yeah. could be like, you know, putzing around with the videos during the, you know, 8,000 years it took us to record it and the 6,000 years it took. It's so angelic time. So this yeah, is you, right. guys are, you guys are you guys are doing this on the same uh, time limit as Bruno Gans. It's uh, like Bruno Gans is like, man, are you ever going to be finished with this? <laughs> yeah. This is the record That's in the question. Look. That's the look right there. Yeah, exactly. This this is the uh, rock Here's star. The cover star. Yeah, yeah the, the clock rock. This is uh, now that we're all ghosts. You can get on Bandcamp. It's on. Um, it's on now other stuff too. Ghosts. Now that we're all ghosts, is that uh, is that is that a reference to um, you know, finally finishing the record after all the time? <laughs> No, it could be, but it's not. No, it's no, not. but he was clean shaven before. <laughs> it was a time. Get it? Because he's got a beard. Yeah. Anyway, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and I just gotta say, if you enjoy the music from, uh, uh, you know, Wings of Desire, definitely check out uh, the Resurrectionists. So, no, there you right, go. Right, right. There you we go. don't have an eight-piece choir, but it's legit. Yeah. And copies still available. Yes. <laughs> you can get it on vinyl, you can get it on CD, you can get it digitally, you know? Yes, those those three things you can do. So there and you go. Hard. You have your uh what, one last call to action too is uh check out Christina's uh Twitch channel. Mm -hmm. It's it's yeah. she's far livelier than she is on this show. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I It's less somnambulent. I went very this manic is, this after Christina after dark. Night. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I went very manic last night after I streamed, like reorganized. Like I might do it after or later, but whatever. I'm just manic at this point. But uh, yeah, uh, check out my Twitch channel. Um, we're gonna people are doing it more and more. You got a bunch of new subscribers recently, so people yeah, are catching I think up. like 40 yeah. subs. That yeah. Young Turks raid me, so that's cool. Cool, good. Whatever. And, and when but, she says subs, she means subscriptions, not like a dominatrix thing. Medium, whatever. Uh, though people do call me mom now, so I, I gotta, I gotta, yeah, you know, yeah. 
Dummy mommy. But also, too, we, um, this 420, we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of the Backstreet Boys. Yes, they've been around that long. Yes, I love them. Fuck off. But... Is My that really the thing you celebrate on, on 420? Is it's that not what people normally celebrate on 420. Backstreet Boys. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna say, you know, a birthday party for Hitler. They literally signed their contract from April twentieth, nineteen ninety three. So we're celebrating that. Uh, must have been high. I mean, seriously, they must have. Uh, <laughs> Flavor Flav comment. Check out my new album, Flavor Flav and the Bad Clocks. <laughs> Bring in that big clock rock energy, the resurrection. Somebody's, somebody's trying, trying to take oh. my throne. Yeah, <laughs> clock rock throne. It's Flavor Flav, you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, okay. okay. He's he's got a claim. He, he wears one. He, he is the OG clock rocker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. He sees you as a public him? enemy. Uh, oh, well, I'm also hoping that um we go over <laughs> the, the history of marijuana, perhaps on 420 as well, or you know, it mm-hmm. just depends. What? So what's that? The history of marijuana? Oh, it grew in the ground. Yes. <laughs> Film at eleven. Someone's tried out things that they can smoke, and they're like. Well, actually, I think Bailey oh. Syrian did a dark history about marijuana, how it was like worshipped and it was a good thing, but then you know, white folks were like, "Ah, black people smoke it, bad," and whatever. So there's a lot wow. of racism about that. Raise your hand, raise your hand. <laughs> Joe narking out this cat. You thought you were a buddy cat. You were just grist for the comedy mill, friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we have very fun, chill times on stream. People like the cat that. street voice. Yeah. The cat street. That's good. That's good. <laughs> so if you're into any of that, go tune into Christina this this uh, Thursday, I guess, for four twenty. Yes. If you're if you're too high to click on it, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, <laughs> well, just have it just have it ready to go on the link, you know, the night yeah, before. Yeah, just, just keep that browser yeah. tuned. Yes. Yeah, and, and if you want to help Christina, you know, celebrate uh, four twenty better, uh, she has a coffee, so buy her a joint. Yes, that <laughs> does cool. quite work. That that does work. I mean, uh, also. Also, let her hack depends, plus the couple of the podcast. Depends on the state you're in for the legality. So let her ask great. Yeah. I'm calling I'm calling all of us out. We gotta get them on one of these days. Well, well yeah. now now that Letter Hack has drawn me, it's okay. <laughs> and the shadow ban is lifted. The shadow ban has now been lifted. Yeah, you're welcome to be in the show, Letter Hack. Thank you. He literally lives like less than two hours away from me. We could like bring him here and he could do the podcast for you. There you go. There you go. Hey, we we did that before with uh with me. It's terrible. Well, not not there. <laughs> it was not. It was not good at all. It was, it was the, terrible. It was the worst time either of them had been on the show. No offense. <laughs> Peace and love. Peace and love. But well, yeah. it's because you know the uh, the the chemicals that leak out of Andy's basement. Uh, you know, it's just it's it's not always a good time. It does look it less makes... like a prison now, Andy. He really zazz it up. So. <laughs> all right. Well. <laughs> <laughs> it was the return of the brick wall. So, yeah, yeah. That's uh, you know, starting with uh, with Joe, you got any final thoughts on this movie or anything to we didn't get to or? Oh, there was plenty, but uh, let me. Uh... We'll sum it up succinctly and quickly. Thank you. <laughs> I got nothing. We didn't get to talk about Shine, but uh, we'll talk about that some other time. 
Is that when uh, is that when one angel says, "Go and get your shine box"? No, it's the, when he says when he when he goes through this whole thing. I was like, "This is pretense, pretense, pretense." The word he's actually using is shine, which oh. in German means a whole bunch of different things. Yeah, there are a couple, not lost in translation, but sort of like, hmm, that's not exactly what that is. Right. Uh, well, and there are these this. big culturally important words in German. Yeah. That, that don't mm-hmm. have the same cultural importance in English. So shine means shining. It means appearance. It means yep. perception. And it also means like sham, fake, pretense. It means all of these things that the word, you know, pretense doesn't really capture. All right, so that, that makes a lot more sense uh, than the pretense thing. Cause that, that was a little bit, I'm like, is pretense really the word? You know, right. like, oh, I'm, I'm showing up on a pretense to, uh, you know, right. try out this, yeah. <laughs> this food and drink. You know, I mean, like, you know, it'd be something like, well, it's like we do it, we do it in its mere appearance. We do it in its mere appearance. And that's what makes Casile say the only way for us to be serious is to not try to interact with the human world at all, just to like, just to observe and witness and testify. And so uh, that's, that's that's where that, like, that like at the end of the movie, the way, the way the world, the word Ernst seriousness reoccurs and is transformed by Marion's take on it. That's like, that's what that sort of like conceptual bookends. I wasn't going to nerd, but then I nerded. <laughs> yeah. He, he seemed like perfectly succinct final thoughts to me. I think you nailed it, buddy. Uh, can I also just say is what, what you're talking about too, with this film, it's one of the reasons why the adventures of Baron Munchausen has never been really uh, well tur- turned into a great movie, but I can tell you having read it in English and in German, it does lose something in translation. That one especially, that work especially, is like really profound in German, and like something's just kind of lost when it's put in English. So, another example. Thank you. Yeah, Christina. <laughs> final thoughts. Not about Angel Consent. <laughs> Why did they have to make an American remake of this film? It's, that's all I have to say. That's my final thought. I because, guess they thought uh, it would make money, probably. This film was perfect. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand why we don't have yeah. to remake all films in English. My God. Especially ones with Nick Cage in it. American Tate reading. We should get Nick Cage in there. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I, I think I think Vim I think Vim got got some money for selling the rights to a remake. So yeah. okay. well, he's basically so the credit maybe, for the screenplay. So maybe some of that garbage. So maybe maybe some of that garbage funded some really good stuff of Vim's later. I also think uh, what you were saying about you know angels not having to try with this movie. The thing that works about it is that they didn't really try, right? Like they didn't uh, construct a script and try to uh, say something profound. They just kind of went along with it and like improvised, and that's what makes this movie so profound in the end. So I feel like, you know, not trying would have been better for the Nick Cage one, which might be what he's known for a lot of times, but not not in this way. Yeah, man. Uh, Conan, final thoughts. Yeah, I think this is an incredibly beautiful and creative film about the power of connection with others and what it means to be human. And it's told through a pair of angels observing humanity and their many thoughts and lives and joys and tragedies. And it's all a couple years before the Berlin, Berlin Wall falls, which is momentous in and of itself. It's, Deeply poetic. It's full of longing, uh, life inf- life affirmation. It's practically a fairy tale. And I like that it somehow ends up being one of the most deeply original movies of all time uh, because of that. You know, like questions like what is it to be human? What's it like to live, to love, to connect? Stuff like that. I love it. Uh, I, again, until the end of the world, I feel is his best art. 
but this is my favorite movie that Vim Vendors did, and I really was stoked to cover it. And I hope you made some money uh, to make that movie, you know, off this movie. <laughs> right. You're doing did. what like with this. it? <laughs> <laughs> um, Andy Flying Fox all Fox. around the world, uh, <laughs> you know, 20-hour <laughs> cut. Yeah. Exactly. Remember how the last movie did not have a script and we just kind of went through Berlin? Yeah, this movie is going to be the opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to say, one of my favorite things about this movie is the aesthetics. Uh, trying to capture that, like, 1920 Fritz Lang kind of thing with, with the uh, the angel wings fading away. Just, like, like small moments like that that, uh, you know, uh, you use, like, the, the actual wings of the statues uh, to, to, to uh, you know, as symbols, you know, uh, visual symbols of like who, who's angel um it is truly spectacular just like really thinking about uh not just just showing the city but but showing it in a way that uh uh you know gives you not just um a, a, much, a much deeper and richer uh understanding of, of uh of berlin I definitely feel like I understand Berlin more now. <laughs> Watched it. Um, so next week we're gonna have Andy Kindler on yeah. to uh, to talk about uh, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Wild, a wild changeup that only could happen in the pantheon of this show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have we have a week to switch tracks. Yeah, it's fine. You know. Um, so well, Joe, I, thanks I, so much for coming on, man. Thanks for having right. me. But great to have and you. And I guess I'll just say, no thanks. I just watch.